Are you ready for change? Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. You're listening to the Mr. Change Agent Podcast with your host, Ron Ovid, minister, pastoral counselor, teacher, recovery coach, author, and creator of Emotional Relearning. We've been doing a lot of podcasts, and we're getting a good response to them. People are calling and saying that they're enjoying them, that they're sharing them with others, and that delights us. We really trust you'll listen to these podcasts, that you'll tell others about them, and uh, just spread out all the joy and help that can come from listening to these and taking notes and sharing it with others. Today, the topic is a rather somber one. It's one that we've heard of quite a bit lately. A lot of people are talking about it, and unfortunately, it's becoming epidemic in the United States and other parts of the world, and that is the topic of suicide. And Ron, I know in your ministry and in your uh, professional counseling and such, you've run into this quite a bit, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing what insights you can give us today. So why don't you uh, introduce this topic of suicide? Yeah, I'd say of the hardest funerals to do sometimes are, are suicides, right? Because people, they don't know why, they don't know what, you know, and things going on. And we're hearing more and more about it, and uh, it's an epidemic. In fact, in 2017, uh, suicides were up. There was like 47,173, up from 42,000 in 2014. And uh, in fact, we know that it's gone up about 24% from 1999 to the present. So there, there is this ticking up and up of people committing suicide. Uh, I was reading not too long ago a new book by uh, Dr. Lawrence Hedges called The Call of Darkness, and he was talking about suicide, and he has an approach he calls a relational listening approach. And as I was reading it, it caught my my attention because it's a lot of what I teach uh, in our emotional resilience class and that is that some of these things are a result of beliefs that we have, fears that we have coming out of childhood and he lists eight different kinds of fears that a lot of times bother us when we're in contemplation of suicide. The fear of being alone, the fear of making connections, fear of abandonment, fear of self-assertion, fear of being unacceptable, the fear of failure, and the fear of success sometimes, and the fear of being fully alive. Now, we don't have enough time to go into all those, but I think what's safe to say right now is that a lot of times it's this desperation, this fear, this hopelessness, this helplessness that comes that causes a person then to start thinking about suicide. Okay, Ron, are there some warning signs that we should be aware of that perhaps as friends, loved ones, parents, or ourselves? What are some of the warning signs we should be looking for? Well, I, you know, this is important, and I think, too, it's better to be safe than sorry. And if, if someone's threatening to hurt or kill themselves, that's obviously a warning sign, right? I mean, you know, they're saying it, and we want to think, well, let's not take it seriously. But that's not something you want to consider in hindsight. You know, call 911. You know, if someone's saying uh, threatening to hurt or kill themselves, uh, or they're talking about, you know, wanting to die, you know, excessively there, especially if the person has a weapon or an item around that they could hurt themselves with, call 911. Another thing is if a person's searching, you know, for ways to kill themselves, 
you know, online or they're seeking access to lethal means, you know, whether it's physically in a moment of despair, you know, the, the persons, they need help, okay? Maybe you stopped them, but just because you stopped them doesn't mean they won't try again. Let's get some help. Those are things that, you know, if they're talking, writing, posting on social media about death and suicide, and those actions are out of the ordinary for this person, let's call 911 and get the police to come. Now, there's other warning signs that may not be as immediate, but they're indicators that the person may be in acute danger or need help. And that is, again, like talking about wanting to die or kill themselves. And then and a lot of people say, boy, I wish I could just die. And I get that. But still, you can tell from the tone of voice or if they repeat it and they say it, you know, you can question them, say, seriously? You know, talk about it. If they're looking for ways to kill themselves, you know, talking about feeling hopeless or having no purpose, uh, talk about feeling trapped or being in unbearable pain, doesn't mean that they're necessarily thinking about suicide, but these are things that need to be talked about. You can encourage them to see a counselor. You can sit down and talk to them about it. Um, talking about being a burden to others. I'm just a burden to others. I've heard this a lot from uh, some of the people I know that have tried suicide in the past. They feel like they're a burden on other people. Or the increasing use of alcohol and drugs. We see a lot of accidental deaths, if not sometimes suicide, as a result of just being in this over-agitated state from a helpless state from drugs and uh, alcohol. Or they're just anxious, agitated, agitated, being reckless, you know. That could be a sign. Depression often comes sometimes, so sleeping too little or too much could be a sign that let's get some help. Uh, withdrawing, isolated, they don't want to talk to anyone, staying in the room, staying in the house, not going anywhere, haven't shaved in a while, you know, that kind of thing, you know, is a sign of nothing else, depression to get some help, right? Showing rage, if they're really getting angry all the time, more so than they've been, then that's a sign, you know, that, hey, something else is going on here. And these mood swings. So I think, you know, there's a lot of different things that might not necessarily say, oh boy, they're in immediate danger, but it certainly would say that they need some help and that you need to, uh, you know, find someone that can help them. Okay, Ron, what if uh, a listener is thinking about this or knows someone that is? What should they do right now? I mean, well, this hopelessness, if they're feeling hopeless, and that, of course, that can lead to that kind of thinking. And, and I know you can go to different websites. I know Mayo Clinic has a list of things and others, you know, so they don't have to necessarily write down what I'm doing here. Um, they can find it on different websites and that. But first of all, stop before you act, right? Think before you take a step back. Yes, you're feeling all emotional. You're feeling all emotional, but stop. Okay, recognize that depression and hopelessness can distort your perceptions and reduce your ability to make good decisions. And so this isn't the time to make a decision like that. You know, it's a cry for help, so, so stop and get the help, right? Realize that suicide feelings are the result of a treat, treatable problem. It's just because you've had the thought doesn't mean it can't be treated, that you can't get help. We can't help sometimes the thoughts that come in our mind, but we can do something about them. And then realize that there's other options, right? Even if you can't see them right now. And here again, I can't underestimate the need for going to a pastor or to a counselor or to a good friend and, and talk about it, write about it, get it out, you know. And know this, it's faulty wiring. It's not the way it should be. 
Uh, you might not feel better overnight, but eventually, though, this sense of hopelessness, it, it will lift. It will lift. So you need to give it time. But here, on the other hand, don't wait too long. Get some help. Get some help. If you think you could hurt yourself or attempt suicide, get help right away. Call a mental health specialist, right? Let me give you a number, and you can write this down, although you can get it on the web. And it's, it's a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So you can just, you know, if you just Google suicide, I'm sure it will come up. But it's 800-273-TALK, 800-273-TALK. And they have a trained counselor. And you can, uh, you know, use that same number, press 1, if you want to reach a veteran crisis line. Sometimes veterans feel that their circumstances are different because of what they've been through, and they certainly are. So they can get someone that can relate to maybe what they're feeling. And, you know, you can contact a minister, a spiritual uh, leader, someone in your faith community. You know, here again, reach out to God. You know, uh, you can get spiritual help, a close friend or loved one, maybe a doctor. You know, go to your doctor. And So there are a lot of things, but you need to stop and get help. Stop it now. Get that moment of sanity and say, no, this isn't the answer. I need help. That's great. But, Ron, what if, what if a listener is not in immediate danger but just depressed? Uh, some of the, I think you've already touched on that, but they're just depressed and maybe uh, a little worried about that and, and find themselves, uh, you know, just spending too much time alone and thinking about it. I mean, what, what are some of the suggestions? Yeah, well, here again, I think there's a stigma in our society, unfortunately, with what we think is mental illness. Uh, we don't want to be stigmatized. We don't want people to think there's something wrong with us. And the fact is, it's not that there's something wrong with us. We're having these these kinds of thoughts, right? We're feeling desperate. We're feeling in despair. And even though that may have been a while and you're not thinking, if you're still finding yourself depressed and uh, down or thinking about that, then, you know, don't try to manage suicidal thoughts on your own. Get some help. Get some help. Get some support. Your doctor, mental health provider, again, a pastor can help you identify coping strategies tailored to your specific situation. And so you need to figure out some of the things that you can do. You know, you can make a plan. A good mental health provider will help you make a safety plan. And I've got a book called ACT, A-C-T, uh, where I help people write down, you know, that are in addictions, a working plan. Well, this is similar. Who are you going to call? You know, who can you call? Who, what are you going to do if you start feeling this way? What kind of meetings do you need to go to? And, and you tell what you're going to do. You write down what you're going to do, and then you give it to your friends. The ones that are going to keep it to themselves. And, and you say, listen, if you see me this way, if you see me this way, if you see me acting this way, if you see me feeling this way, then do this. What were you going to say, right? Sometimes it's what we avoid, too, what we need to avoid. Uh, certain friends. I know when you talked about mm-hmm. addiction on a previous podcast, you say, you know, uh, don't keep going by the bar that you used to go into. Sure. Uh, don't hang out with certain friends. They bring you down. And it could be that uh, you've had some real negative influences recently and you need to abate those. You need to change. You need to sure. not see that person for a while. They're, they're bringing you down. Right. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that until you get into a better state of mind or you can think better. Uh, same thing with the same music, you know, the same websites, <laughs> you know, uh, same clothing for crying out loud. You know, so make some changes here. Make some changes. You need an action plan. And so I would encourage you to write down, you know, when I feel this way, act this way. 
when I'm feeling this way and write them out. Then I want to do, I need to do this. And then you give it to your friends. And, they, and so if they see you acting that way or they hear you feeling that way, they have the right. You've given them permission to say, well, this is what you said to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you, you know, you, you, as a friend, you can challenge them. No, look, this is your handwriting. <laughs> you know, this is what you said to do. Let's go do it. And it can be a great, a great plan. Another part of a treatment plan, of course, would be starting to get out and do some things, right? Exercise is real important. Sleeping is important. You know, eight hours of sleep, exercising, eating right, playing, you know, getting out, meeting with people. These are things that should be part of your treatment plan. And if you aren't doing it, you talk yourself out of it, give that treatment plan to a friend that will challenge you, that loves you, that will challenge you. You know, so healthy, enjoyable activities. And and then review why your life is valuable. And if you don't know why, ask some people that love you. They'll help you. They'll tell some things. And so stick with the treatment plan. And keep a list of contact names and numbers readily available with you. Put it in your purse or your wallet or somewhere. You include your doctors and therapists, crisis centers. And then, you know what, remove any potential uh, means of hurting yourself. Get them out of there. You know, if you've thought about it before and you've got a, a weapon in your room, get, get it out of there. That's enough. You know, let's stop that. Let's get it out of there. Make a positive choice, right? And then schedule daily activities. Don't leave it up to chance. Don't. When I was in my worst depression, I would organize my day the day before. I would write down what I was going to do that first 15, 20 minutes because I needed that jump start. And so, you know, schedule yourself out if you need to while you're getting out of it. Get together with others. Join a support group. You know, find others that have it. And then avoid escapes, right? Avoid drugs and alcohol use. And then avoid risky websites on the Internet. I mentioned that already. But there are things that you can do that will help you. So get the help you need. And then consider a list of reasons that you have to live, right? A list can include being alive for your pet, your children, your friends, uh, a favorite niece, something that you enjoy doing at work or home. It doesn't matter what the lists include, but find a sense of purpose. You know, God created you for a purpose. Find that purpose. And that goes along with the next one, help others. You know, get out of yourself. Go find somewhere that you can volunteer, maybe at a shelter, homeless shelter, or, you know, a feeding place where you can help feed. Or There's a lot of things that you can do to volunteer. And then finally, don't minimize the difference that a spiritual awakening can have in your life. These are times to reach out to God and His love for you. God created you to live for Him. There's a significance and a purpose that comes from acknowledging His authorship of your life. There's a forgiveness, a new start, a reparenting. You know, the famous 12 steps, right, of AA makes a lot of sense. And the first three steps say this. Step one, we admitted that we were powerless, right, over alcohol. In this case, maybe powerless over some of the thoughts that come into our head, that our lives had become unmanageable. But then step two says, I came to believe a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And that's the beginning of faith. That's the beginning of faith. And then three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And, you know, I challenge a lot of people. They say, well, you know, I want a God of my choice. And I would never deny anyone to choose what they want. But I'm telling you, there's a God that chooses you. 
And the God of the Bible is a God of love that chooses you, and it can make a huge difference. So this relationship with Christ can be a big help. So I encourage you to see a pastor and ask them how you can have this meaningful relationship with God. So those are some of the things that you can do that will help if you are having some of these desperate thoughts. Thank you so much, Ron. These, this is invaluable information, and we would challenge you today. If you were listening and you know someone that's in this type of uh, state right now, please help them. Let them uh, perhaps share this podcast with them. Uh, let them know they're not alone. And if you're going through this yourself, uh, don't give up. There is hope, as Ron said. And I just trust perhaps you need to listen to this podcast again. But reach out to someone and, and let's let's turn the corner. So thank you. You've been listening to Mr. Change Agent Podcast with Ron Ovitt, minister, pastoral counselor, teacher, recovery coach, and author. He's creator of Emotional Relearning, and there's a lot more material where this has come from. Uh, There are the podcasts, many of them, on Podbean and on iTunes. You can go to empowerforliving.com or mrchangeagent.com, and there are resources on both of those websites that you can look at. And, of course, there's the Mr. Change Agent YouTube channel. Uh, Just type in Mr. Change Agent. You'll get an icon. Go right there and like that channel. uh, Subscribe to it. Let others know about it. And, of course, he has his books, number of books, out on Amazon. Just simply type in Ronald Ovitt, O-V-I-T-T, Ronald Ovitt, and many of his books will come up at that point. So, again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned next time for another Mr. Change Agent podcast.